The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, episode 115. Captain DeBridge, Spock here. Make it so. Surrender is not an option. Attention crew of the Enterprise, this is James Kirk. We are all explorers, driven to know what's over the horizon, what's beyond our own shores. We would have helped you get home if you had asked. That's who Starfleet is. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the Deep Space Nine episode, The Passenger. And joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thanks. Folks, if you have not yet done so, please go to Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or YouTube, where you should subscribe. And on YouTube, you should hit the bell to get notifications of new episodes. Uh, So we're talking about this Deep Space Nine episode from the first season called The Passenger. And, uh, well, let's get get into it. It, I want to start by saying, it is not the most remarkable of episodes. It's sort of, <laughs> it's sort of just there. I mean, is, uh, am I wrong? Uh, let, let's 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 put it this way: I had to watch this episode twice to prepare for this because the first time I fell asleep halfway through. <laughs> okay. I didn't. I didn't think it was that bad. I actually no. thought it was. I thought it was pretty good for a first season episode. I mean, it's not. It's not one that like anything in the first season. It's not one I would go back and watch. You know, yeah. just when I want to relax or something for fun, but. There are much better episodes later on, but actually, I thought this was pretty good. No, it's 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 not a bad episode. It's just kind of a meh. It's it's there, and, and, and right. To, it is kind of faint praise to say it's a good episode for first season of DS Nine. So I mean, <laughs> and it's a lot better than first season episodes you're going to find in in Next Gen or Voyager. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, right, right. Well, I have certain complaints, but we'll get into those uh, about too. it. Uh, but uh, one thing to, to note is that um, Colmini, Colum, I, I got to make sure I say it right. Colmini is mm. not in this episode, nope. uh, mm-hmm. and he, he misses a, a few because I guess he was doing a movie at the time, and that's why we had Lieutenant Primin show up, which we'll we'll see him in a bit. But uh, the, the, they wanted to add in this other character to have a little more B story, I guess, on this. And Primin was also someone they'd planned anyway. Mm for you know structural reasons right and this was an occasion to use him also jake cisco is not in this one that's right right no uh mm-hmm. no jake no nog and speaking of well we'll get i'll talk about prim in, in the that security officer later because uh, they get some interesting thoughts on that so we start off the episode with kira and bashir in the runabout and they're coming back from some mission and kira tells bashir oh how impressed she was by his medical skills she's you know being nice and and there's there's one interesting thing in this scene where he says, yes, well, tricorders are accurate on living people, but not so accurate on dead people. First thing they taught us in medical school. So Right. So that's a neat little idea about tricorders, you know, and how they work. Right. Unfortunately, they then 
totally throw the rest of this scene. Yes. And it, it's and it's terrible. Got to have the braggart Bashir, you know, he can't even accept a compliment without making himself like the center of attention. This is one of the, like, I think the one of the worst, char- like, initial character developments I've seen in, in Trek. I mean, the, I, actually, there have been some other bad ones, but but just the way this first half of the first season or first season Bashir in, in DS9 is just kind of a jerk. <laughs> I just yeah. can't stand him. <laughs> He's an incredible jerk here. This is the worst I think we've seen of Bashir. Yeah. It may be the worst ever because... Kira is, you know, giving him a compliment or at least ex- expressing amazement at like, wow, that you saved that guy. That was amazing. And he's like, yes, I know. I'm I'm it's a it's he, he's like within an inch of saying it's such a privilege for you to be able to work with me. <laughs> right. I, I think he pretty much says that without actually saying it. <laughs> yeah. And I and he's just bragging on himself. And this is what were the writers thinking? Right. I mean, I know they want everyone on Deep Space Nine to have flaws and rough edges, and that's one of the things that makes the show interesting. But this is just excessive. I my guess is that that, that maybe they thought this was funny. I think yeah. they tried to make him just the the most cocky person you've ever met. That the world revolves around them, and I'm glad they realized very quickly that they need to make this a much more likable character. Did, how quickly was it, though? I mean, well, I, I don't think it really turned around for him until he started doing the James Bond holodeck adventures. I wonder if this was supposed to be a counterpoint to the end of the episode where he admits he's humiliated, like is it, like he's taken down a peg or something. Mm-hmm. I just I don't I don't see the connection between those things, though. But it it's it's his story. I mean, it's his character, though. I mean, you know, from the first episode, the first time we meet him, he's walking into the sickbay talking about how how thrilled he is to be doing frontier medicine to major kira who grew up (laughs) on the frontier quote unquote right right yeah he's always (laughs) sticking his foot in his mouth with kira that's for sure it's particularly bad here though yeah yes yes and uh, i i I do like that kira's about to tell him off when she gets interrupted by a priority one distress signal (laughs) (laughs) has anyone ever told you that yeah so uh so they get a distress signal from a uh, Kobliad transport that lo- losing life support and whatever. And so they they go over, they beam over to the ship. It's on fire. Bashir is assisting an unconscious woman on the floor, and she's trying to tell him don't open the door to where the prisoner is, but he ignores her. Um, he opens the door. She she claims that the prisoner started the fire, and he starts treating this guy to help him escape. The prisoner started the fire. Yep. Yes, yes. She said the prisoner's trying to escape, and that's why the fire's there. So Bashir starts treating him. He's unconscious on the floor, but he wakes up for a second, grabs Bashir by the throat, and and says, make me live. And then he dies. <laughs> so, of is, course, he's not dead. Right. You know, I Mostly mean, this episode dead. is not going to be about yeah. Bashir struggling about losing a patient. So, no. of course, he's not dead. And after grabbing Bashir's throat, that should tell you who the prime suspect is as the vector for how he's going to live. But we have to have some really? misdirection first because. Well, but that's the thing is, is it's, it's just right from the beginning, you know, like, like they've told you basically how this how this is going to play out. And then later on, they try to walk it back with, you know, obvious misdirection. It just doesn't work. But I, I do like Father Gore. You kind of made that reference. Um, he's only mostly dead. Yeah. <laughs> what do you have to yeah. live for? <laughs> <laughs> A nice uh, Princess Bride reference. 
Or or to use a Monty Python one, I got better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good. I think I'll go for a walk. <laughs> so uh, they uh, they get the fire under control. They tow the ship into DS9. The woman's uh, in, in, in the infirmary. She wakes up, and oh, she's yeah. very and, concerned. Yeah, I and I want to comment here, because now that we get a good look at her, even, even though she's got the alien forehead and stuff all over her, it's Julie Caitlin Brown. Yay! Mm-hmm. Wait, Julie Caitlin Brown is a Hollywood sci-fi actress who shows up in small parts and a lot of things. She's most famous for having played Natoth on Babylon 5 mm. and oh. uh, Jakar's assistant. And right. she is a very strong, kind of forceful character. I mean, just that's just her as an actress. And she's certainly pulling that off here she clearly has had a lot of pepper with her scrambled eggs this morning (laughs) and it's just a pleasure to see julie caitlin brown in a part the part she's playing is a woman named ty kajada and she's from copliad security and she is obsessed with the prisoner whose name is vantica and she has been apparently hunting him for 20 years, and he's sort of Dracula. He's, she tells us he's a scientist who's expended, done all kinds of evil things to extend his own life. It, yeah, I mean, it's, it kind of reminds me of, also of um, uh, Les Miserables, uh, oh, uh, mm-hmm. Javert, the, you know, who tracked down the, the hero of that for you know, 20 years to, to track him. So you've, you're supposed to get this idea of the obsessed you know, law officer, and uh, and she comes across that way right off the bat because she's like, "Make sure he's dead. You have to do an autopsy. You have to. I have to see the body. I'm going to stab the body in the process." You know, <laughs> yes. I, I was she, just waiting for her to stab the body, even though she didn't have a knife. It's like she's going to grab something and stab him. What's a little <laughs> yeah. surprising to me after she was, "Have you done a retinal scan?" Is yeah. that sh- she didn't stab him in the eye, just the chest? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, then she starts like she gets all demandy too, like you. I want you to scan my ship, make sure there's like, hey, lady, you're a guest here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you don't give me orders, but she, yeah. So we have a we got a very clear picture of her character right off the bat. Then we have Odo in Quark's bar bantering over. Uh, first, we, they're bantering over Quark's hankering for Dax, and they discuss Odo's desire to be left alone, and Quark's desire to have things he can't have. So, you know, these these essential character moments. And then that gives Odo's opening to say, you mean things you can't have like that Deridium shipment that's coming in? And that's where we see uh, Starfleet Security Lieutenant Primin, who introduces himself to Odo and says, do you always discuss secret Deridium shipments with uh, the underworld characters? Local black market. Yeah. As, as they're walking down the promenade, this highly public area, he's mentioned, he's talking about it himself. <laughs> Right, right. And Odo says, well, it's, it's none of your business, so <laughs> go away. Uh, and then that's when Primmon says, oh, it took me three weeks to get here for this, this operation, so uh, I just want to make sure it goes off well and that sort of thing. So uh, they mm-hmm. get off on the wrong foot. So then we move to Bashir briefing the senior staff on the whole Vantica Kajada situation, and he tells them that the, the autopsy did match up the DNA with the files you know, about Vantica from the Kobliad. And he's not a clone because they tested for that. And mm-hmm. he's we've not done that already. because we've done that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, we keep doing, yeah, that's a whole other thing. This, well, we didn't actually mention that this is in some ways, 
a lot like that other episode where we had the Bajoran who is a clone, cloned his own body, and how is he still alive if he's dead? Sort of thing. I mean, it's you know he's come here to do something dastardly. This is kind of we're going over the same ground a little bit here, aren't we? I mean, is it sort of the same thing in a light way, but they're making it. I mean, an identity mystery is a fairly standard plot, and okay. this is another one of those. But you know, they're they are they're the basic rule on Star Trek is you can do similar things as long as you do them a different way, right? Right. And they're doing it a different way. This isn't going to be a clone. Okay. Okay. So they do speculate that Vantica's, it was he was coming to DS9 when he was captured. And so uh, they speculate that he was on his way there to steal the Deridium shipment coming from the Alpha Quadrant because the Kobliata are a dying species. They need it, which is apparently a rare thing, mineral or mm-hmm. something, that their species needs. And it's rare enough that... Uh, there's a black market for it, et cetera. So now you got the now you got the caper mystery that's gonna jump yes. into the middle of this as well. It's like those conehead sketches from Saturday Night Live from the nineteen seventies. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Uh, conehead, I'm just trying to sort out your tax situation before uh, sixty eight. Now about these deductions for last year, you claimed two thousand dollars for stocking caps, um, seven thousand dollars for beer. And $2,000 for titanium. What is titanium, anyway? The most durable metal known to mankind. We need it to survive. Okay, fine. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm having flashbacks to Saturday morning cereal commercials. It's like, now fortified with nine essential vitamins and minerals, including deridium. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Everyone needs a recommended daily allowance of deridium. So this is when Primin arrives in Ops, and uh, Cisco... Uh, wants to brief Primin on the Vantica situation. Basically, Kira's like, oh, I'll send for Odo. And Primin says, oh, no, we don't need to bother him. I'll let him know what he needs to know. Uh, so we're getting this sense that Primin has this superiority idea over Odo. Odo's just the frontier cop. He, yeah, he's out here to practice frontier justice now. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Cisco qu- pretty quickly shuts down Primin's uh, superiority, puts him in his place, and reminds him that Starfleet are the guest of the Bajorans uh, on mm-hmm. this station, and they are to act like guests. And I, I do like that moment where Cisco. It's a real leadership moment where he right. he doesn't he doesn't yell at Primin, but he makes it clear to him this is how things work here, and you're new, and you have to understand that things don't work the way you expect them to according to the manual back on, you know, starships. That's well, he does, he, well, he does bring out the command voice, though. You know, he's, he's saying, yes. yeah, basically, Odo's in charge. Clear? <laughs> right, yeah, right. But he also, and he makes, he also makes it apparent to Primen that he can learn from Odo. Yes. That he really respects Odo's abilities, which are better in this environment than what Primen is trained for. And right. so, and this is going to be good because when... What Primin does next is he goes to Odo and apologizes. And it's like the yes. first thing he does. He and, yep. and Cisco did not tell him to apologize. This is not an unwilling, grudging apology. He realizes mm-hmm. he screwed up. He goes and he apologizes, says, I'm sorry we got off on the wrong foot. And, you know, and I hope we can be friends and work together and stuff like that. And he and this is this is good because yep. up to now. Primin has been written as if he's an unsympathetic character. Right. Yes. Because our sympathies are automatically going to be with Odo because he's the regular. Yep. And so 
now Primen is actually showing himself to be a decent human being. And that makes him much more interesting. Mm-hmm. He's not mm-hmm. just a cardboard one-dimensional character. And this was a good move on the part of the writers to have Primen just be sincere and apologize and a, be a good guy from this moment. Yeah. Right, right. Better than better than Bashir. Bashir that point. I was having that mental comparison. Yeah, <laughs> it is nice to see when they they avoid the stereotypes because yes. they could have written out it completely as just the stereotypical jackbooted Federation security jerk thug. Yeah, but he's not. Yeah, in, in fact, I was going to make that comparison earlier. Earlier, um, they, they we get some of these Starfleet security guys showing up again later on in in. in in a subsequent season what is his name the eddington. guy eddington. eddington right 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 get that and he does a little bit of the same thing where eddington shows up he's starfleet security there's some friction between him and odo it gets resolved and eddington becomes a guy we kind of like which is then they turn the tables on us at some point which is yep. uh, i think it was great i, I mm-hmm. love that that whole uh, development but uh, and then so we start sort of- getting les mis references exactly <laughs> right, right that's where we really get them so uh, Primen is sort of a precursor to Eddington uh, later. So Eddington, I'm sorry, Eddington, Primen and Odo get down to work, <laughs> and uh, they discover that all of Odo's security files are missing. And Kajada comes in and says, Vantiga did the same thing before. He's alive! And they're like, okay, calm down, uh, obsessed lady. We just have to reboot. You know, it said the database servers are unavailable. We just have to reboot, reboot the MySQL SS service, and we'll be fine. Yes. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, the database is gone, so we'll have to reload from the backup, right? Right? Yeah. This is another one of those things where people who sh- who who don't know how computers work should not write computer stuff because oh, yeah. they make this claim that oh, it was easier to just purge the entire active memory of the computer system instead of going after just the one lockdown file. And I'm like, if that's how easy, if that's how your computer system works, there's no point in having security on your files. Yeah. Because, like, it's just, it's so backwards and upside down. Like, and your whole sy- security system is messed. You know what they call active memory in a computer? The RAM. You know what happens when you turn off your computer? The RAM gets purged. It's right. not then, a big deal. That's why you have things called hard drives. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, it just, oh. It's, I, it got I'm me sorry. A little... yeah, this, this is, of course, I was computer guy before I was a priest so i mean this is where i'm sitting there going okay y'all you're, you're getting into too much of the techno babble that you don't know about just leave it right alone. right so computers work a lot differently three centuries from now let's just say that and yeah we'll go on to the next thing so uh cisco to his credit says all right we have to operate on the assumption that vantica is alive as as improbable as it is and he may have a, an accomplice who's carrying out his plan or something but we just need to operate on the assumption that he's alive until we have confirmation otherwise. So uh, that's when Odo comes in and pulls Cisco aside and to talk to him and threatens to resign over over the Primmon situation. And he is, and I like this this these character because Odo is mad. He's really mad, and yeah. he's leaning into Cisco. And Cisco just kind of smiles at Odo and says, "That's this is why I like you, Odo. I know where you stand." Yeah. <laughs> And Odo does ex- the same thing and tries to resign when Eddington gets here. So yes. there's going to be an echo of this. But Cisco tells Odo, you know, be reasonable. 
you didn't expect the Federation to assume control of an installation like this and not have somebody from Federation security to look out for its interests. Yeah, right. And Odo says, yeah, that's reasonable. And that's also structurally why Primen exists, because yes. they the writers realized the Federation would have a security officer like Primen to look after yep. its interests. And so they'd been waiting to introduce him for a while. Odo then is like, he as Cisco kind of walks him off the ledge, he acknowledges more points of okay, that's reasonable, that's reasonable, and it comes down to who's in charge. And Cisco says, in a joint operation like this, you are, mm, and right. so, and that's enough for him. And he says, okay, I unresign. <laughs> right, I can live with that. He says. Then we have uh, Cisco goes to Dax's lab, and she tells him that she's discovered that someone tried to break into Kajada's ship, uh, and they were potentially looking for this data chip that Dax found in Vantica's things that contains a map of the humanoid brain, quote unquote. Yeah, <laughs> like there's one brain. There's one humanoid brain. By the way, I like yeah. the fact that SD cards survive to the 24th century. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they do. Yeah, uh, the, obviously they say humanoid brain and not human brain because they, we need to leave it wide open so that Vantica can be in humans, non-humans. Anybody trill. with a rubber forehead. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all, all the brains are the same. You could just pull them out of one head and put them in the other, right? <laughs> right, right. Uh, <laughs> and this makes very little sense from a uh, from an evolutionary standpoint because humanoids, even if you had humanoid body forms develop on multiple different planets their brains would be very different mm-hmm. right but this is star trek where <laughs> we had that progenitor species that seeded humanoid life throughout the galaxy yep. yes. and we can headcanon them as a reason and also here on star trek i mean humans and vulcans and klingons are all the same species because they can interbreed with each other yeah. this is true this is true so yeah <laughs> we just move it on from the humanoid brain so uh, we're after hours at Quark, Quarks, which actually would be a really good like web series. After hours at Quarks. Anyway, <laughs> he's looking for he well during the cleaning, uh, he's rooting around on the floor looking for anything valuables what? that people may have dropped. That's what they consider uh, cleaning is getting all the money that was left behind. <laughs> right. There are no pennies left on the floor in a uh, Ferengi household. Anyway, he's he's alone. He dismisses his his cleaning crew as incompetent, and so. He's alone, and someone grabs Quark from behind and speaks in a low voice that sounds an awful like Julian Bashir's, but claims to be Vantica. Mm. I have to say, Sidney Gelfidil does this. He tries to put on this other voice, so it's not immediately apparent it's him. But it's just not good. It's just not a good. His, voice. his acting in this, at least when in the other persona, doesn't quite yeah. work well. So we may as well address that now, since you brought up the voice. He tried more to disguise his voice than what we hear, because in post-production, they looped all of his lines. They made him Uh. re-record them, Mm. and he apparently used a voice that was described as being too Bela Lugosi. So he apparently put on a foreign accent, like a Hungarian accent or something, uh, and and they thought when they saw the dailies they they thought you know this isn't really working for us so let's make him do it all again and so he's what we're hearing is him in a studio trying to lip sync himself 
mm. with an right. odd affected delivery, you know, yes. because he, he can't completely change. He's got to match that. Now, in other later scenes, we'll see his face. Yeah. yeah. We don't hear, but later we will. And he's going to have to match what his lips are doing mm-hmm. when he's right. trying to do this Hungarian thing. Only now he's not going to be doing the Hungarian thing. And so that's going to add to the stiltedness of his delivery, that because it, when, when you're doing an, a foreign accent, you're shifting your your uh, in particular you're you're lengthening and contracting your vowels, mm-hmm. and and that is going to make it harder to do something that sounds natural. And so what we end up is with is this performance by him where it's like, well. Captain Cisco, I think you should do what I'm telling you to do, or I will go to warp and yeah. tear this ship apart. And yeah. and it's very, very stilted. It's very bad delivery. It is not good acting. It's also not his first attempt, though, because right. yeah. and I would have been interested to see, okay, let's see it with the Hungarian Bela Lugosi accent. <laughs> You know, what would that have been like? You want to suck your blood. So, <laughs> anyway, he says to Quark that, um, you know, hey, are you ready? You, my, my, uh, you know, Quark is obviously his co-conspirator in this heist. And so are you ready to help me steal the Deridium shipment? And Quark's, I thought you were dead. And uh, no, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not dead. I'm only mostly dead. And so uh, Quark is hiring I told you I would meet you here at this hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like how he has it planned to the hour when he's going to show up. Yep. Yes, yes. Uh, well, yeah, you, you, you showed up on time. Uh, so, uh, uh, and he she... wanted Quark to hire some mercenaries for, right. uh, for the upcoming mm-hmm. operation. That's right. So uh, m- now we go to uh, the, uh, let's see, the infirmary. Bashir calls, has called Kajada over to go over the DNA scan results that he'd sent into Starfleet and uh, to confirm, and they, they, Banter in a bit of misdirection about how Bashir was unable to contact her the previous night. Uh, she said she was uh, had trouble sleeping and she was using an alpha wave inducer. And he says, "Be careful; those can, you know, this can be uh, dangerous if you overuse them. So they must be addictive." Mm. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we have this whole misdirection of, "Oh, was that really her in Quark's last night using Bashir's fake voice?" No. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, Dax calls Bashir to her laboratory. They discuss Vantica's research into transferring uh, brain consciousness, you know, moving from one brain to another. Uh, Bashir says only Vulcans so far have been able to do synaptic pattern displacement, i.e. the Katra thing, mm-hmm. uh, which, which we saw with McCoy and Spock, and suggests that Vantica's consciousness is hiding in Kajada's brain. Oh. Yeah, and as a secondary personality that she wouldn't even be aware of. It's kind of like, right. dual, and, like dual booting your computer, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> it it also is very reminiscent of what happens on Babylon 5, because it turns out on Babylon 5, and a sinister government agency initially known as Bureau 13, later known as the Night Watch, has planted an agent called Control, who does not know, Control does not know that Control is an agent. There's a secondary personality, and eventually, and to activate the personality, it can come out on its own at night when the main host is asleep, or you can beam a uh, password telepathically into the head that will force the 
personality into activation. And so eventually they have to, one by one, feed the password into the head of every senior officer on Babylon 5 before they find out it's Talia Winters, the telepath. (laughs) Oh, it's very clever. Yes. Yeah. Uh. So we get to see that concept played out at more length on Babylon 5. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that would be... Uh, uh, more, yeah, that would be more interesting. <laughs> yeah. Now, the here with Kajada, so the reason they, that Bashir suspects Kajada is because she's a fellow Kobliad. And right. if you're going to transfer your brain to, uh, you know, someone else, your your mental patterns to someone else, it would you'd have the best fit with a member of your own species. You know, right. like when when Spock transfers his into McCoy, because as we've established, humans and Vulcans are the same species. Yeah. That's a reasonable suspicion, you know, that mm-hmm. a Kobliad would try to put his brain in another Kobliad. But we've already heard the voice, right. and it's clearly masculine, so this doesn't work. They would have done better to have him using a vocoder, so right. you couldn't tell if it's a male or a female voice when he talked to Quark. Right, right. I mean, it clearly, and it's clearly Bashir's voice, too. Yeah. That's the other thing. Uh, so... And and they, you know, what oh, it's poetic justice if he was to hide in the mind of his own worst enemy. That's what which <laughs> it would be actually. Uh, anyway, they decide to, not to tell Kajada at this point until they can figure something out, and they exclude her from the further security planning. And Odo, you know, says when she when she complains, send her to send her to me, and I'll tell her. And so she's shows up, and he's she's mad at being locked out of things, and you're fools for not including me. So uh, Quark, meanwhile, meets with the mercenaries in his bar, including some uh, pirate-like Bajorans. I like the guy, like one guy has like a headscarf that looks like he's looking at a pirate. <laughs> they're very clearly mercenaries. And they're you know meeting in his bar again after hours, and uh, Kajada is sneaking in on the upper level of the balcony to spy on him when she falls from the balcony for some reason. Uh, we don't see what causes it, but uh, later on in the infirmary, she'll wake up for a moment and say, I was pushed. I was pushed. And she's lying to try to get them interested in Kajada again, in Vantica again, even though right. they already are operating on the assumption Vantica is alive. Right. Uh, yeah. Quark claims that she was alone when she, he was alone when she fell up. There was no one else in the in the bar. I don't know what's going on. Why she was there? Bashir tells Cisco that he, he can't tell if Vantica is in her brain until he knows the transfer method. I'm not sure why, but you know. But again, this is all fake science anyway so <laughs> let's go with it <laughs> in the rest of star trek they always could see dual brain patterns like anytime there's a, a secondary brain pattern in a in someone they are but but for here we have to have it where he can't so later on they can tell that the second pattern is gone right well the then they know the transfer method yeah or, i guess i don't know dax tests the theory that vandega used something under his fingernails to transfer his bio-coded message of his consciousness into his victim She's apparently checked everything else and is left with the fingernails when right. when Cisco comes in. And yeah, there's a little there's a little microscopic power generator under one of his fingernails. And I like the fact that they're using nanotech. Yes. You know, that's good because they would have that in the future. So right. even if this is nonsense, at least, you know, they're putting it in a plausible technological format that they would have right. in the future. And so he used this microscopic generator to send electrical impulses that fed his mental patterns into the glial cells of somebody else. And now they know the entry method. It's through the glial cells. Mm -hmm. 
which are real cells that people have. But Mm -hmm. what strikes me is like, wow, there would that thing must have lots of bandwidth (laughs) if it can if it can transmit an entire human consciousness in a second or two. Yes. Through somebody's glial cells, through the thing under your fingernail. I mean, that's impressive. That is an impressive bit of technology, yes. Uh, and at this point, they're still assuming that Kajada is Vantica. The moment of the Duridium shipment arrival has come, where, where everyone's at high alert. They're doing their uh, all their last final checks. Odo's with Kira, and he realizes Primin isn't there. What's he, why isn't he here? He hasn't. He hasn't. I sent him to you, and he hasn't done what what he've asked. He's he's off on his own. Oh, that Starfleet security guy. He said he would obey me, but now he's obviously disobeying me again. You know, we're supposed to get that idea. So maybe he is the maybe he's the personality. Yes, is part of the misdirection. By the way, in fairness to them, in suspecting Kajada, now we saw at the beginning of the episode Vantica grab Brashear by the throat. Mm-hmm. Right. So to us, he's the obvious candidate, and he's the one it should not be. I'll tell you at the end of the show who it should be, okay. but. It's not implausible that it could have been Kajada because right. he could have done anything to Kajada before we caught up with them. Yep. And we wouldn't have seen it. So yeah. he could have grabbed her by the throat earlier. So it's not unreasonable. It's just they've already ruled her out because we heard a male voice. Mm-hmm. Right. Within the logic of the story, she she makes sense, but within what they've revealed to the audience. And that's yep. that's one of the my uh, you know, one of my small complaints is they've revealed more to the audience than they have to the to the, to the characters, and so right. we we're stuck in this position of knowing who it is before they do, and it's kind of yeah. awkward at that and, point. And and they don't they're trying to keep the audience from from realizing it and not succeeding. Right. Yes, what you want to do. There are situations where you can, as an as a writing choice, you can let the audience know more than the characters. But when you do that, you want to play it for suspense. Mm-hmm. Yes, because it's like, oh no, they don't realize this, and now they're heading towards some disaster, and I know it's coming, and they don't. Right. That's right. how you want to play it when the audience knows more than the characters. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we have Quark leading the mercenaries uh, to a runabout that they're going to use to take over the freighter carrying the Duridium. He says Vanticus somehow managed to procure one, and when they get there, they see Bashir. We have this awkward moment where Quark is like, oh, uh, Dr. Bashir, sorry, uh, we're in the wrong place. And it's finally revealed that he's Vantica. Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. Then we have this whole thing where Bashir takes them on the runabout and they take off and uh, Dax is trying to find Bashir. Yeah, she uses she uses her iPhone's Find My Friends to try <laughs> okay, to yep. locate him. Again, this is one of, another one of my Star Trek complaints, which is a general thing. Why is it always they track the com badge instead of the person? You'd think that they could like with all these amazing <laughs> sensors they have, they can only track the com badge. So, so all you have to do is take someone's com badge off, and they're unknown. Can't find them. You know, oh, just drives me crazy a little bit. Anyway, uh, it turns out that Primin was actually following Odo's lead and and his hunch. Uh, Van- Vantica planned to do the same thing that he did before, uh, using an, a secondary system to take out the entire uh, station's security grid instead of just going after the one thing that that they need. And so he used the waste reclamation system to shut down the defense grid, which, again, seems like really poor security. A, that <laughs> really serious toilet backup, too. Yeah. <laughs> your, your waste system shuts down your defense grid. Oh, I hate it when that happens. The plumbing <laughs> yeah. charges are incredible. 
Yeah, it just seems bad security, bad, bad. Yeah, bad. this is going back to, okay, a computer system should be able to tell if you add something like that, you know, especially right. you know, these super advanced federations, computer systems should be say, hey, you've got this device that's not supposed to be touching that. <laughs> right. There's something wrong here. You might want to go check that out. Go check that My My website does that. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, in ops, uh, they yeah, what, see the, wait, what they should do is like hire the same hackers that the Mister Robot writing team did to keep it real. Oh yeah, like how yes. would you how would you really take down a twenty fourth century computer system? See now that would that would be an interesting story. Someone should write a, a a really good Star Trek story on that. So in ops, they uh, they see the runabout deploying, and Bashir is gone, and he signed out the runabout. So therefore, we're starting to think that uh, Bashir is somehow involved. Uh, the mercenaries take the this Federation uh, ship, this uh, this freighter, and a, as I write here, a very wooden Bashir beams aboard and is astonished that the station is able to lock a tractor beam on them and, and hail them. Because he expected the toilets to back up and take down yep. their defense grid. Yeah. Yes. Typically arrogant. I don't know if that's Bashir's arrogance or Vantica's arrogance. Maybe both. So- <laughs> <laughs> what, what I have in my notes is... Problem. The problem is that we have no reason to care about Julian right. at this point because they established him for us as super jerk number one at the top of this episode, and now he's under the control of this evil entity. And when what you want is for the audience to care about that fact, yep. and like it, the be- one of the best episodes in this regard is later on in Deep Space Nine where Keiko O'Brien is taken yeah. over by a Pa mm-hmm. Wraith. And it's, I keep going back to that episode because that episode, because it's my, one of certainly my favorite examples of a possessed person storyline, because yeah. she does not become a zombie. No. Like, like, right. which, which, which Julian basically does here, given his wooden performance. Mm-hmm. Yep. But Keiko does not. It's like, she retains her a personality and she's, like eating chocolates as a, as while she's possessed by the paw wraith. And she's like, Miles, you're not seriously going to let me eat this whole bag, are you? Right. And she comes across as a very human person, despite Creepy, the fact human. she's under. Yeah. yeah. And, but I care about Keiko O'Brien a lot. And even she is often unsympathetic. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I care about her more than I care about a number one super jerk. In this episode, <laughs> so they're, they're by setting him up unsympathetically at the top of the episode, and we don't really know him that well because we're in the first season. Mm-hmm. I have all the less reason to care what happens to Julian at this point. Well, and it, it's it's interesting. I think I almost feel like the writers realized that as they were writing this story, because then you know, right after we see him, you know, I'm going to destroy the the ship. All of a sudden, now, if you, if you don't release me, I'm going to go to warp and we're going to destroy the ship. All of a sudden, this magical element that they need, if it gets scattered through the system, would de- like destroy life and all planets within the system. Yeah. You know, so That's also a- now we've got something that you actually do care about. All those right. off-screen people we've never Yeah, met. I know. You care about them more <laughs> than you do Bashir, basically. Yeah, that's some pretty po- Duridia must be some pretty potent stuff to completely irradiate an entire... Star system from one <laughs> exploding freighter, but that's that's another thing. Also, this threat: if if you don't release the ship, we'll take it to warp and we'll kill Bashir. And it's like, but you'll be dead too. And we've already established that you're yeah. going to do anything to survive. So I don't believe you. 
<laughs> like your threat is not really that's, credible. That's, that's where I wanted to hear Cisco say, "Okay, go ahead." Yeah, yeah, go ahead. We'll, we'll get a new doctor. I, in thinking about this, I I can I, I don't think they played it wrong because we have two really compelling interests here. Brashear doesn't need or Vantica doesn't need. I mean, we do know he has this overriding will to live. Mm-hmm. But Cisco is squeaky clean, Mister Dudley Do Right with with sharp corners, and he is going to be very determined not to let the Duridium poison the solar system mm-hmm. and have everyone evacuated off Bajor. Right. So they both have very compelling motives, and it doesn't really it, all that really matters is Cisco isn't willing to risk it. Right. That right. that he might. Now, what I was wondering is why would the space pirate sitting at the console <laughs> be willing to implement this order? It's right. like, you may have a death wish, but I'm a mercenary. I'm only interested in getting paid. I'm not a martyr for whatever. Right. So I'm going to refuse this order. And to give props to the writers, the space pirate gets up and refuses to implement the order, at which point Vatican shoots him and takes over the console himself. So they took <laughs> care of that problem. <laughs> yes. Uh, appropriately named uh, Derg. That's the sound he makes when he gets shot. Derg! <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Uh, so Dax comes up with this plan that we can suppress Vantica's consciousness using, oh, some pulse sent through the tractor beam and through the ship and whatever, the shields and some thing. So, but she needs time to implement it because, you know, it takes 30 seconds to implement such a complex plan. So yeah. uh, Cisco well, it, takes has a, to, it takes a minute 30 and they only had a minute. So yes, yes, exactly. And so and, Cisco has to vamp. So she has to like write a really quick macro to do this. <laughs> right. Oh. And, and the macro goes off on the first try, which is never happens for me. So kudos to her. <laughs> so uh, this pulse that goes through uh, makes a, a confused Bashir emerge, if, you know, his consciousness. And he's able to drop the shields just as Vantica's consciousness starts to come back. Although. We don't see the actual uh, moment. They they trying to leave us a little bit of um. His hand does really great acting at this point to communicate yep, yes. the the brain cloud is coming back. Right. So they uh they but they are they do manage to beam him out and uh, Cisco stuns him despite Bashir saying no no I'm okay Bzz, I'm not taking any chances yeah. Then uh, in sickbay, Dax uh, manages to beam out any glial cells that have Vantica's neural patterns into a little containment device. So uh, we've isolated them, and Bashir is back to his normal self, uh, hopefully uh, more humiliated, more humble than before. And, and he says uh, he is. Yes, he says he's been humiliated, so good for him. And then uh, in the end, they're going to... Kajada comes in, and it's like, all right, what are you going to... So that's what's left. What are you going to do with it? And she says, I assume you've released the prisoner to me? Uh, yes, I have. And so she takes out her pistol and... It shoots the thing and says, well, that's the end of what was left of Vantica. Uh, actually, I, I do like that ending. Yeah, it's I, I like the ending, too. I It also struck me, okay, so what are the theological implications of shooting the little container? Is mm. that capital punishment? And I think the answer is no, because mm. this was a bunch of glial cells at this point that stored memory patterns. That's not a functioning, no, you know, right. real living human being. And Vantica, regardless of his self-perception, really did die, and it was just his memories that were controlling right. Brashear. I mean, he was basically Swamp Thing. 
at this yes. point. You know, he thought he was Alec Holland, but really he's 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 a plant. <laughs> and in the same way, Vantica may think I'm here controlling this human, but it's really Julian with false memories. Right. A a fault like sort of almost like a split personality that's been imposed on him, but it's still him. Yeah. Uh, so now in terms of who it should have been. Yes. Yes. Kira. Mm-hmm. Kira, you we had three people on the runabout. So the three people that Vantica you want to look for the transfer if I mean unless you're gonna let him go completely rogue and take over anybody. Yeah. It needs to be someone who was there when he died. Mm-hmm. Vantica is ob- is is a plausible suspect because she's the same species and spent a lot of time with him alone. Kajada, yes. Kajada. I mean, sorry, Kajada yeah. is yep. uh, spent a lot of time with Vantica alone and is the same species. Brashear is obvious because he grabbed him by the throat and said, "Make me live." Yeah, and that means Kira is the least obvious of the candidates because he didn't have any physical contact with her. So right. that makes her the best of those candidates to actually be the host. Mm-hmm. So what I would have done is pointed to the factors I just mentioned to throw suspicion on the plausible candidates of Kajada and Brashear. And then in the end, it's going to be revealed, no, it was actually Kira, because the thing under his fingernail wasn't the only microprobe in the room, you idiots. There was a whole <laughs> network of them. Yeah. And I went after the person who ha- who was farthest from me to throw suspicion off. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's actually good. Grabbing Bashir was just the activation for the, for the uh, probes that were across the room, not the probe itself. You know, that sort of thing. Totally could do that. That, that actually would have been better. That would have been mm-hmm. good. Because... And then you just had could have said she disguised her voice in as Bashir's in the quarks to throw it right. off. Well, and, no, I, I would have vocodered all of that. Well, yeah, I, there, you could do it, that too. It, yeah. it would have been vocoders. I mean, he's already wearing a cloak, right? And and grabbing quark from behind so we can't see him. So if we're going that far to disguise his identity, we may as well use a vocoder as well to shift the register of his voice. Right, right. Because again, quark's got really good ears. You'd think he could have told it, yeah. it was Bashir's voice, uh, but uh, no, that would have been yeah, that would have been better. That would have been better. Uh, any final uh, notes or thoughts on this episode, Father Corey? Nothing here, Jimmy. Nope. All right. Before we wrap up, I do we do have some listener feedback. Uh, we got an email uh, from Amber G, who says, uh, "I recently discovered your podcast and have listened to most of the episodes. I've just finished Picard." And listen to those episodes. One thing I was annoyed with in Picard was the use of the name Narek. I've always wanted to name a son Narek after the saint and darker of the church, Gregory of Narek. Narek is the most common name in Armenia, and I was sad mm. to see the use of this unique, for the West, saint's name used on a villain. I just thought you might be interested in that observation since your podcast is uniquely a Catholic take on Star Trek. I I, I agree. Um, I don't recall i know i meant to mention that saint gregory of narek is a doctor of the church mm-hmm. and an interesting character for a variety of reasons so i like the name narek too and it didn't seem appropriate for this guy who as you can tell by the way i referred to him consistently he always struck me not as a narek but as a derek so he's <laughs> no for me he's always <laughs> yeah he's Der- derek the romulan <laughs> yes there there are there have uh, been in many different uh, st- uh places uh, uh bad guy names that were good until 
uh, they someone gave it to the bad guy. Like there's no, there is not a child born in 2020, a girl child uh, born in 2020 who will be named Karen, for example. <laughs> Which is actually an, ac- an anagram of Narek. Hmm. Mm, and maybe that's where it came I- from. <laughs> maybe. Who knows? Narek's Narek's a lot better than the 2020 Karen movement. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, but thank you, Amber, for listening and for sending in your email. And, and welcome. Yeah, welcome to the show. <laughs> All right. So uh, as we wrap things up, we want to take a moment to th- thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek. I just, uh, by the way, just to mention, I know you're going to mention the next episode in a moment that we're going to yep. do, Dom, which will be yep. from Star Trek Enterprise. But when we cycle through to oh. Deep Space Nine again, you know what's coming up next? Ouch. Oh, ouch, I know. Ouch. Come on, just say the rhyme. Oh. <laughs> we're trying to get along listeners. Along. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get to review the greatest moment in Deep Space Nine history. Oh. Oh. Well, we just did Star Trek Five. Now we're going to do... We're getting these out of the way, folks. Getting these out I, of the I, way. When I looked at that on the Amazon Prime list, I saw the next episode went, ouch, I'm already hurting <laughs> thinking about this one. <laughs> so, uh, but that don't actually, you want to listen to that because our pain is your enjoyment. That's for sure. Yes, that is true. <laughs> so, uh, so I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create Secrets of Star Trek, including Matthew W., Dan W., Jacob F., Sam W., and Thomas H. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And next time, when we come around to Deep Space Nine again, you can enjoy our pain. We'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show for us every week. So that's it from us. What did you think of The Passenger? And what did you think of Jimmy's alternate ending there? I, I kind of like it, but what, what do you think? Let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek or our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media, or send an email to trek at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time. We'll be discussing actually a Voyager episode. Voyager's next up. Oh. State of Flux is the next episode. Hmm. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Dom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom, and live long and prosper. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, I just seem to have a talent, I suppose. A vision that sees past the obvious, around the mundane, right to the target. Fate has granted me a gift. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>